When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I don't think that I ever get all them in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dope t-shirt, man. Uh, thank you, man. Ripping Philly today? Today I am, yeah. You know, I can't be out on these streets like I usually am, so, uh, you know, here we are. You met Schoolie D? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I've hung out with him, yeah, a couple times. Oh, wow. Uh, so, uh, I mean, you're too young to remember when the song dropped, but, like, PSK, what did it mean to you? Um, I mean, Schooly D is my favorite Philly rapper, and it goes far beyond that song. I just love his energy. Um, I love his, you know, say anything, you know, censorship be damned. I love the fact that he did his own artwork and production. But um, yeah, PSK, honestly, um, I love the beat even more than the rhymes, which, uh, you know, either way, it's props to Schooly. I mean, the beat was crazy. I mean, just like, it was just so thunderous that that 808 was crazy, man. I miss that sound in hip hop, actually. You know, the, the trap drums, like, it was a return to that kind of, like, reverberating bass. But, man, the 808s back in the, in the like, 80s and 90s was just, like, I don't know, it was trunk rattling. Loved it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yo, episode three, what's the headline? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave that all in there. I thought that was some dope hip-hop stuff, man. <laughs> Big pain on, on, on the Philly Philly grind, you know? No, nah, man, I was saying, I don't know that Philly rap gets his props because, you know, everyone thinks about it starting in the East Coast and, like, you know, really starting to kind of pop in the West Coast in the late 80s with, with Cube and, and Easy and all those guys. But Philly was doing its thing, I mean, early, like 80, 83 or so was Jazzy Joe, Fresh Prince. Um, and you had Schooly, you had, like, a really distinct Philly sound, you know? Yeah, 84, 85, it really burst in Philly. And, and Jazzy Jeff's first record was not with Will. It was with somebody else whose name escapes me at this exact moment that he did scratches on. But, yeah, I mean, Steady B, Cool C, um, you know, Tough Crew, uh, Three Times Dope, that whole hilltop movement. Philly's crazy. And, and, and it was an early city in the graffiti movement with a writer named Cornbread, um, who was up and down the East Coast but based in Philly. So, yeah, I wish Philly gets more props, but it's great. You know, I know we'll be talking about, about uh, Black Thought later today. And, you know, that's just an extension of Philly kind of coming for its crown. You know, at, at what point did you start to go back and explore that catalog? I'm assuming you didn't start, you know, with that as your rap foundation. When, you mean when, as far as Philly? Yeah. When did you go back? Like, at what point as a rap fan did you start to go back and explore your own city's music? So, yeah, I mean, I moved to Philly in 2002. So that was right as Freeway was marching towards his debut album. Um, the Roots had just put out Phrenology the summer I moved here, which was an amazing album. You know, I was a big fan of it. Um, you know, State Property, all of that. But it was funny with Schooly D, his CD, his original, um, you know, the yellow cover of the Schooly D album is, was always worth $100. The CD back before you could burn everything. So I was a digger and I always dug cds that i could flip or records to support my habit so there, there are certain cds out there that always brought bigger money main source um breaking adams is one oc word life like the whole wild pitch catalog but schoolie was always way more money so i would grab it and it was funny i grabbed it and i liked it so much i couldn't sell it mm. that first album and i was like man so that i kind of found schoolie by happenstance when i was you know 13, 14, 15 years old. And that just sent me down a rabbit hole of who, well, who is he working with? You know, what are the other, you know, contemporaries like, and I always love um, Jeff and Will, like brand new funk, that sort of stuff. So. And brand new funk still goes hard, man. Oh, incredible. You know, speaking of Philly, man, Black Thought, um, did you, did you get to check out uh, Sway had bedroom bars on IG? I did. Yeah. Sway and his daughter with uh, Black Thought. That was a dope little segment. Yeah, what'd you think of the, the freestyle itself, first of all? Okay, so no, I didn't... Uh, oh, yeah, at the end of the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I liked it. You know, I don't... I, I I was playing the interview while I was doing other things, and I'm just always astounded. I I probably, like many of us, take Black Thought for granted. Like, 
I'm just listening to this freestyle, but he did that incredible one at Rhapsody's show earlier this year. You know, obviously he's just been on a run. Um, but yeah, I mean, Black Thought is is like the illest improvisational MC I, I think there is. What about yeah, you? Yeah, and it's so heavy, man. Like, I, I feel like I got to go back and listen to that one with like a, a dictionary or like, a, like mm-hmm. go back and start Googling stuff because he's dropping, you know, names and references that I, I don't even know. So yeah, it's it's always uh, crazy to see how he can do it just so effortlessly or make it seem effortless, you know? You're absolutely right. I mean, over the years of just transcribing his freestyles, you know, there will be terms and references that I don't understand. And then you go and do the research just because I'm that nerdy and I'll be astounded. I mean, I keep using that word, but it's the best word for it. Black Thought. I mean, he's not just making the rhyme. He's filling it with substance and research and reference points. And it's just, wow, you know? Yeah. So, you know, there was one, there was a part, I'm going I'm to uh, show this to you. There was a, a part where... Um, Jay is uh, actually uh, Sway asks him um, if um, he ever worked with Jay Z, and uh, thought is like no. Um, uh, oh man, I was going to share this, um, but yeah. So I was going to share this. Uh, there's a clip where Sway starts talking about. Um, seeing him in Black Thought or, or seeing Jay work with the Roots during the MTV Unplugged and he asked uh, if Thought ever worked with Jay. And Thought says that the reason why he let Jay-Z rock with the Roots that time is because it was supposed to be a um, collaboration with Jay. Uh, I think he said Eminem and Nas. And, you know, this question is because um, as, as to whether that was the... Um, the unplugged or some other time because you know obviously Jay and Nas were not on the best of terms when that unplugged dropped. I think it was like two thousand two, something like that. Yeah. But um uh he says it didn't happen and he said he wouldn't have let Jay rock had it not that not happened. And then uh he also talked about how Jay has been supportive and signed him and everything, but just never gotten on a record. And it made me think, you know, Jay has often challenge himself, you know, getting on records with the, the MCs who are at their pinnacles. You know, he's on a record with Drake, uh, with young J. Cole, um, young Kendrick, you know, obviously M, like, you know, it goes on and on. Uh, and now J. Electronica. But, and he never, ever lets anybody get him, right? Like, um, in fact, you know, Eminem, there's that debate. Uh, but like Kendrick, a lot of people thought he got Kendrick, like, you know, the whole, he's a competitor, but I'm wondering if Black Thought is one of those cats where he's like, yo, uh, I don't, I don't need it. I don't, I don't need yeah. it. You, you think, you think that was intentional or you think uh, it's just happenstance they haven't run together? I think it's intentional. Um, you know, I, so we talk about Nas, you know. I don't think either of the Jay-Z and Nas collaborations, the the first two, you know, Black Republicans and success, measured up to the hype. And I think on both times, Jay just high and above stole the show. And so, yeah, I mean, I do think Jay doesn't want to get, quote unquote, murdered on his own shit, you know, and there, you know, will forever be the debate about Renegade. Um, More than that, though, I think Jay around that time, around 2001, the blueprint positioned himself a cut above just about everybody. He'll still reach back and work with people, but to do that cipher kind of seems against the campaign that Jay had been making throughout the 2000s of, you know, becoming this like Prince, Michael Jackson, ivory tower artist that, or Dr. Dre that only appears when he needs to appear. Uh, Rob hip hop of an incredible moment though, whether Nas was part of it or not. Yeah, I mean it would have been it would have been insane. Um, yeah, I mean props to like Benny the Butcher, you know, because yeah. you know, pretty young in his career, like I mean he got on a, on, a, on a track with thought and like held his own, and you know, a lot of times when you see stuff like that, you see the rappers adopting or kind of gravitating toward the other person's style. Mm-hmm. But Benny was just like straight Benny on that track, you know? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I'm thinking, too, just back at your question. I mean, Jay worked with Wayne in that 2006, um, 2000 and whatever, you know, 2007, 2008 run. 
you know, he wasn't afraid of that. But I, I know last year, you know, earlier this year, too, when when Royce has been doing his press campaign, people keep asking him, you know, if that collaboration will ever happen. And, you know, Rock Nation got behind uh, the Black Savages record. You and I even had a drink bet on whether there would be a remix of Jay on it, which I thought happened. I owe you a drink for that when yeah. the quarantine ends. Well, yeah, I mean, Jay has been careful both with Tariq and Royce and a few other MCs. I do think we'll see him with Benny not too long from now, at least, you know, Benny or Conway. That would be incredible. Yeah, I mean, Benny got with Royce too. Like, I mean, uh, uh, he's fearless. I, I dig that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, a Griselda, a Jay-Z Griselda collaboration would just be insane. That would be, that would be, it would be game over. I'm surprised he hasn't done it. By now. Yeah, and it's got to be. I, I really wanted to see either with Derringer Alchemist production, not to you know, not to uh, call the plays in advance, but I like to see Jay step into their world, um, you know, because I know Griselda to their credit, they've been adapting and kind of stepping into other artists' realms. I want Jay to step into theirs, sort of like he did with um, Pusha on Drug Dealers Anonymous. Yeah, uh, and Raekwon, although that was a that that sounded different. That was a bit more soulful. The, the Raekwon uh, Griselda, yeah, uh, collabo. Yeah, That's it true. didn't have That's that. True. Like, you know, uh, I'm wondering if they have it in the tuck. But speaking of Griselda, um, so and Alchemist, Conway and Alchemist dropped that joint project this past week. Um, yeah. What did you think of it? I really liked it. I mean, um, Alchemist is so prolific, and he's been very quietly you know, producing a lot of stuff for, you know, West Side Gun, Benny Conway. And Alchemist puts out projects like this all the time. But I feel like in in the midst of what's been going on, there hasn't, there have been really cool singles. There was obviously Childish Gambino. But for this side of rap, for the, you know, hardcore head, so to speak, um, there hasn't been a release of this profile. There's a lot of dope stuff in the underground. And this this just satisfied. And I mentioned it last week when we spoke. But the two songs that I keep coming back to um, is the uh, the joint uh, Shoot Sideways with Schoolboy Q. Really like that because that's, again, like you have Al who's been doing this great stuff with Griselda in recent years, but also been, you know, one of the probably my favorite producer for Schoolboy Q um, and merging those worlds. And then you have uh, They Shot Sunny with Cormega, which is great because, you know, Mega was one of the first people Alchemist worked with way back in the day and he man he finishes that verse like I, I actually have played that three times today and uh you know it's not even uh, lunchtime yet yeah you know you mentioned that um Alcon school book i think they need to do a whole album man mm-hmm. i mean they have a a special kind of chemistry it's it's like almost like the evidence and alchemist chemistry yeah yeah, I'm a huge, huge Al fan and a massive Conway fan too, you know. Um I think you know I think, you know, um I've always kind of like gravitated more towards projects than than you have in the past. Um so surprising to me that because like we split on this one, you know, um it wasn't my favorite project. Um, you know, at which maybe I had different expectations of the sound because I do love them both so much individually, you know, but um, I don't know something. Um, it didn't connect for me. Uh, the, the rhymes and the, the beats didn't connect for me in the same way. Um, I got to go back and listen to it a couple of times because um, both of them have dense music. Um, but yeah, it didn't, it didn't strike me right off the bat. I didn't have that feeling I did, you know, when I get here at uh, Alk Evidence Track or, or Q or, or whoever, but like, who are some of your favorite, like Alk, uh, what are some of your favorite out tracks? I mean, he's just so underrated. Yeah, I mean, to me, one of the ultimate like hip hop bangers, and I don't ever use that word, but to me, it is an absolute banger. Is keep it thorough with Prodigy, mm. like, and and that's Alchemist because literally he just sliced out a part of the sample that you know had been lurking for all of these years and made it incredible. So there's that. There's we gonna make it for Jadakiss uh, and originally Razkaz. Um, and, and I don't want to get hung up either because I think that songs like that had the benefit of videos and heavy radio play in recent years, Alchemist has been doing this incredible stuff in the underground. I mean, what he did two years ago with evidence on, um, the whether or not album was amazing, uh, track like powder cocaine. And then, um, you know, he, Alchemist made this project, uh, a few years ago called Russian roulette which I think is all Russian samples. And the production on that is 
yo, that album is one you can just put on and lean back and there's no disappointments. Mm. What about you? So, well, uh, man, it's, it's so hard. Like, um, you know, his stuff with Brass Cas is amazing. Like, I, I just think he had, you know, one of the favorite things I've ever seen. Like, I run this back. I probably watched this video 40 times is a freestyle session he had with King Los. It's just hmm. him and Los and like two other people in the studio and Alka's got this track. It's just a chord. It's no, no beat or anything. It's just keep it's letting it run back and Los is freestyling the entire time. And yeah. like, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Like, it's just, I love that, man. I, I watch that link probably like once every month or so. It's, it's I have to, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever experienced that. I'll have to look for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I sent it to you back in the day. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it was, yeah, it's crazy. So, but you know, all these beat battles going on now. Um, and someone said that Alchemist and Madlib needed to do a beat battle. And Alk said um, he would never do it because Madlib would destroy it. I mean, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think about that? I think, and I, I love, I love Alchemist's whole persona and aesthetic. I mean, he's truly a funny guy. Um, as far as that battle, um, I don't know that it's that clear cut. You know, I mean, I think Madlib is phenomenal, um, but so is Al, and I think that he was just giving respect to his partner. Yo, I've missed a lot of the battles of the last 10 days that everyone has been talking about. That one is 100% worth my time. If that battle were to happen, um, I'm there. I don't know for sure who would win, but I think it would be a lot tighter than Alchemist made it seem when, uh, I think it was Elliot Wilson that, that proposed the idea to him. Mm. Yeah, I think so too, man. I think I think uh, that would be a really epic one. You know, I think uh, Pete, Pete and Primo have done it a lot. They're kind of like uh, almost that that next generation after Pete and Primo of Titans, you know, yeah. and um, they both use similar techniques, but completely differently. So, you know, both are really heavy on soul samples and like really like deep kind of chops, but uh, but the but the output sounds completely different. Yeah, I mean, you know, they really do have overlapping. Um histories too because Madlib and people tend to forget this Madlib kind of came out of the alcoholics mm -hmm. um you know he yeah. was producing on those first two albums and the loot pack appeared you know some of the stuff but he was like E Swift's protege and meanwhile you have Al who was um DJ Muggs protege first I believe cute and um and later on you know obviously Havoc with Mob Deep and they they kind of have that style and then step out into their own and they have so many different you know, layers, both have like a smoked out sound, very dusty grooves. But, you know, you look at some of the stuff that Madlib has done over the years, like Al, they can, they can make a single very easily, you know, as well. Yeah. I mean, that uh, I'd love to see them do a joint album. I mean, that would, um, be... that would be nuts. Yeah. Yeah. There's this DVD and I think, you know, I don't encourage it's worth owning, but I think a lot of the stuff is on YouTube. It came out, uh 15 years ago and it's called sound clash and it's these three la battles at the root down and madlib battles um cut chemist from jurassic five who is another slept on very similar producer and it's worth watching and in that same battle will i am um kind of comes back to this underground party after he had found all this success with black eyed peas and he battles that's one from people under the stairs mm. and then there's a third battle and i might have it's um, Exile, you know, who's worked with Blue and Fashan, and I'm, it's escaping me who he battles. I might have that a little bit jumbled up, but if you've been enjoying the climate of battles, go on YouTube and watch this stuff, because especially the Cut Chemist Mad Lib one is just, it is great entertainment. Where, you know, um, I think my favorite Alchemist track, or at least one of them, is uh, The Realist, with, you know, Cool G, uh, yeah. Cool G rapping boom, boom, boom. I mean, yeah, it's just so, like... I don't know, man. Like, uh, it, it sounds so spooky. Like, he's got very cinematic and dark chords, you know. I love yeah. it. Though. And that uh, one was dope because on the Mob Deep album, I mean, he did a few of those joints. Uh, that was on Murder Music, I believe. And they sounded so good right beside what, you know, Havoc and Mob Deep were doing themselves. Yeah, did you catch any of the um, Swiss, the uh, Manny Fresh and Scott Storch beat battle? No. Uh, 
existed, much to uh, much to my chagrin. Tell me about it. Yeah, it was crazy, man. I, d- I didn't see the battle itself. I saw a recap, but like um, we forget like how many joints Manny Fresh's got. Like you know, I was obviously there's the the, the no limit stuff in that era, but I forget like uh, like the Ti joints. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, he's he's really just been around, and he's still doing stuff with Wayne now. But Scott Storch, you know, it was a little bit unfair. They should have established the rules a bit differently because um, Scott Storch dropped stuff like Crimea River and um, okay. The Watcher uh, and things like that, you know. And, um, yeah, it's I don't know. It's a slippery slope there to, to say that those are Scott Storch beats when, you know, his co-production is playing keys, but you obviously got Timbaland, you got Dr. Dre. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were a few joints like that where it's like, huh, you know, like. Uh, That's interesting, too, because yeah. Manny is one. I think Manny deserves the term super producer all day long. I think Manny is one person that I don't know if he has um, assistance, you know. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's mixers and engineers and, you know, stuff like that. But there, you know, Scott is tied into all of these people. You know, Dre has been tied in Timberland with Manny and I know that you know unfortunately New Orleans rap bounce music doesn't have the media and culture around it to really write about the stuff to the way that like New York and LA does but Manny yeah he deserves that there should have been ground rules and that's one of the things but um all right I'm gonna put you who do you think won uh definitely Scott Stor- I mean with the with so okay you take out the co-productions and like it's really probably about a tie you know yeah. um but with the co-productions, like Scott Storch, I mean, just, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was gruesome by the end. It was <laughs> some haymakers. Manny, uh, we were talking about these, you know, the, the D-Nice and everyone else doing these live DJ, you know, on IG and, and Periscope and stuff. Manny, we didn't, I didn't mention him last week, but throughout the month of March, I watched some of what Manny was doing and those were, Man, if you needed high energy or to feel like you were, you know, out and about somewhere, um, his DJ sets were really, really good. And he was doing them in a venue, um, which was cool. Like, he was the only one there. But uh, something about Manny Fresh just being out and about, you, you need you need that to enhance the music. Yeah, man, he's had a, a real resurgence as of late, too. You know, with the, I think it started with the, the Yasin Bay stuff. Like, that was such an odd and unexpected pairing. Yeah. Still, it, it was dope. It had that bounce to it, you know. And Drake is bringing back uh, that bounce sound too, so maybe you know it's, it's, it's kind of cyclical as well. So you mentioned Drake. Um, Drake dropped, uh, you know, the first what really feels like quarantine music video. You mm-hmm. caught a lot of stuff in that video. What was uh, what was your reaction? To all that. <sighs> It was crazy, man. Um, first of all, his house is ridiculous. I mean, like <laughs> yeah. uh, the indoor pool and the outdoor pool. Um, you could see the you could see the room where uh, he was sitting during the the, the rap radar interview. You know, um, it was like a really a full tour of his house. But yeah. um, a few interesting things. So he had uh, a moment when he went to a room and he had a lot of like posters in the wall, like framed framed pictures. First of all, he had his own. Um, uh you know uh his own album cover which was like that's a little i don't know it's always strange to me when people have portraits of themselves hanging up you know yeah. <laughs> like, especially like in a bedroom or something but um there was that and then there were um there was a framed picture of snoop like 1994 95 snoop um and then tupac and prince which was interesting and then he had one of puff uh, and given their history, you know, uh, with, you know, Puffy, you know, supposedly like, you know, them having a physical altercation. It's interesting to me that he would have that on his wall. Uh, but what, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, um, I'm still warming up to the song itself and, and you and I over the years, um, you know, transparently speaking, I think we gravitate towards different stuff Drake makes. I think that you're probably a, a lot bigger of a fan than I am. But that being said, Drake has, you know, five or so songs that I just love and play all the time. Um, it was a, it was probably the best video I've seen so far in, in 2020. And for all the reasons you just said, and man, yeah, I mean, on the, uh, on the puffy thing, Drake is, he knows how to get people talking, you know, he knows how to, um, it's almost like the J. Cole middle child video, which had all of this amazing symbolism. And then Drake makes it more literal and more interesting. And 
Um, he's almost like a politician that way of like you, every move is calculated. Mm-hmm. And he, he had the, uh, the Kobe jerseys early, you know, which is cool. Um, you mentioned quarantine though. Like, so what made it a quarantine video for you? The opening, I mean, the empty streets, obviously Drake is wearing a mask, which is, uh, interesting to me. I mean, you have maybe the biggest music superstar in the world right now wearing a mask in a video and the president of the United States saying that he's not going to wear one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know neither you nor I right now are wearing masks, but we're both, uh, you know, in our, in our respective residences. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, it'll, you know, 20 years from now, we will look back at that video and remember what we were doing in a different way than that statement applies to anything else. Yeah, man. And, and it wasn't just commentary on that, you know, um, first of all, he did the dance clearly because that's a, a social, a viral like sensation. And he's yeah. now started dances like two or three years in a row. Um, and then also like just the 15, the being so calculated about it being 15 seconds for TikTok yep. and working with two seats. Like, I mean, He's just, he's like the Madonna of this era. You know, Madonna used to be able to spot a trend that was bubbling uh, and, and get on it right before it turned mainstream and become the person who made it seem mainstream. You know, and Drake has been great at doing that as well. Um, so, he, yeah, I mean, he did it with Hotline Bling, where, you know, he, that was designed to create memes and, you know, um, he ran the internet with that and this has already got 10 million views in two days. It's a, yeah. he's a sensation. Absolutely. That being said, I mean, this is not the first music Drake's put out in 2020. Um, you know, there are a couple of Lucy's before, uh, do you, you starting to smell an album in the air or you think he's oh, just yeah. going to have fun with singles? Yeah. And, nah, yeah. You know, I was surprised that the album did, I thought he was going to drop an album on Christmas, um, uh, because that interview came out, it was, like an hour and a half long or was it two, no, two and a half hours something yeah like it was long and yeah christmas eve he put out the 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 song and then the interview on christmas day yeah so i thought he i thought he was gonna drop it like that day or that that, that friday yeah because christmas like maybe on friday so wednesday i think but um you know i'm surprised it's taken this long to come out you know um but yeah i think you know summertime is usually his now so he'll probably drop it in june so, you know, uh, you mentioned the Kobe jersey in the video. Um, what's your reaction to the Hall of Fame news? Yeah, man. I mean, I, everyone knew that was coming. Uh, but it's just so, I don't know, man. There were so many different things happening. So, so much swirl on Kobe at the same time. You know, the LeBron thing, you know, surpassing him in points. This is about to be his year um, in the Hall of Fame. Like, you know, working with his daughter, like, it, it, I think that's just why another reason why it was just so hard because um, he had so many things to look forward to and, you know, just so, so robbed of it, you know, um, but how about you? Yeah. I mean, I have, what you said is, is exactly how I feel. And, and I know that you've watched a lot more NBA over the years than I have, not to say that I, I haven't, but um, yeah, it was just kind of one of those things that make you go, hmm, you know, and uh yeah yeah i wonder who's gonna get in and 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 speak on his behalf now you know um maybe it'll be a few people maybe it'll be vanessa and 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 like a a teammate or something you know Yeah. yeah i mean obviously michael jordan what he what he said um you know at the uh you know public funeral um was was amazing and i don't know that anything more could be said from him on that yeah you know, going going back to the COVID thing for a second. Um, have you have you been wearing a mask outside? Uh, no, but I got one yesterday, and I haven't put it on yet. Um, but I'm about to, and and it's not a medical mask. It's honestly, it's just a it's a bandana. <laughs> so I look, <laughs> I'll I'll, uh, I'll look like a 1800s train robber or <laughs> one of those guys on those old Bloods and Crips album covers. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> What about you? Uh, did you get it because of safety concerns or, or peer pressure? Or, so you know, I went to the grocery store yesterday, and um, I'm trying to do that as little as possible. I, I live in the city of Philadelphia, so there's open delis and corner stores everywhere for basic essentials. But 
over the last week, I've been trying to limit my, my own exposure. So yesterday I drove out to the suburbs, you know, like 45 minutes away. And I went to this huge mega supermarket and I wasn't wearing a mask. And everyone was looking at me um, and looking at each other with this just very um, kind of bothered attitude. You know, there were a couple of times where I would be like looking at something in the aisle and folks were just not playing around. And I'm not used to that because that's not my own headspace. And I was like, you know what, out of courtesy to others, when I do things like that, I should wear a mask. And so it's, it's peer pressure. I mean. Um, yeah, but not not because of like what I'm hearing on the news. It's 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 almost but that's out of what I mean. Yeah, but you feel you feel like uh, you're a bad actor almost because everyone <laughs> else is doing it. And they're like, who's this guy? It's like almost like you feel like you're walking down the street sneezing without covering your mouth or something like. Yeah, I mean, so I'll use this analogy. Like, I don't, um, like, I hate when people spit on the sidewalk, you know, and it's something like we all have to spit, but it's something that I'm always mindful when it's me. I wait till, like, I'm not, you know, like, no one's right in front of me or about to walk. It's the same idea. It's just, I'm, it's not peer pressure. I see your point, but it's courtesy. Yeah, um, I, I had not been looking to do it anytime soon and but yeah for the exact same reason like uh, I, I thought about getting one yesterday I was at the drugstore I don't think they had any but I'll probably order one and just because yeah you gotta you gotta conform that's the if you got an old bandana or something although you're in LA you probably shouldn't be doing that <laughs> yeah, it's like uh somebody uh yeah Bill Mayer was saying that yesterday because he had a uh, uh Mary Garcetti on um and he was talking about bandanas and you know oh well yeah uh, but I'm not going to do it like when I walk my dog, I'm not, you're not going to see. And it's crazy because just since we spoke last week, like everyone in the city has been wearing them. Um, I'm not going to do that. But when I walk into environments, that's when I'll put it on. I, I bet you I'm going to see you walking your dog with a mask on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Jake, is that you? <laughs> yeah, it won't be. <laughs> it's all right, man. <laughs> um Yo, so six nine. Speaking mm. of, of coronavirus, six nine got out because of coronavirus. Like, I mean, what what's going to be more dangerous for him, coronavirus inside, or or you know the stuff he's going to have to face on the outside? He better be wearing a bandana, and I'm not <laughs> sure it's going to be a red one either. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. That's what I I said. I'm just like this stuff is is stranger than fiction. But is it? I'm asking you, because um, I, I read a few headlines this week, and everyone, there was like a shadow of a doubt. Is he 100% out? Interesting. Um, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I saw, yeah, he is. The New York Times reported he was out. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but it's crazy, man. That, that guy's journey has been so insane from start to finish. Like, you know, um, yeah. all of it. And to get out because of this but you think so bill cosby and r kelly are trying to do that now too uh you think they're gonna get out r kelly no bill cosby maybe yeah i don't know yeah i mean even like yeah would suge knight get out would c murder get out you know like i'm thinking of other incarcerated man it's wild but on a serious note and that's that's really when i saw takashi get out i was thinking of like people that have loved ones that are in long-term incarceration that are stuck in there. And here is a guy who didn't do the right thing in my eyes. And in a lot of people's eyes, and he gets a pass. I know he was going to come out later this year, but it's a strange days indeed. Yeah, man. You know, um, it is concerning. I don't know what it's going to be like on the outside for him, Uh, but you know, yeah, I mean, I wonder, too, like, you know, I listened to Sean Sotero and Complex's podcast, which I thought was amazing. And I say that as somebody that was not a huge fan of Takashi's music, even ahead of all of this. It really made me invested and made me cared. And I got an education of just what he did. And um, but at the same time, as he have the benefit now of high what profile? What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, really? um it helped me understand how Takashi leveraged association to get recognition and then turned his back on that association and the motives at play. You know, um, a lot of guys in that, you know, uh, organization, Nine Trey, um, 
you know, we're making money on him as management, as label representation and all of that. And at what point did Takashi say, no, this isn't enough. And we saw some of those headlines play out, but now I look at it and, you know, he turned on his own, his own people for a time. A litany of guys are in there serving lengthy sentences. Sure. Street retaliation makes sense, but is Takashi so high profile that he's untouchable now? I mean, I don't think anybody's untouchable, you know, um, I think it really just depends on how steep his security is. You know, 50, like, people forget, but when 50 um, really got hot, like, he was really a target. Like, he didn't travel anywhere without a bulletproof vest on. Like, it was, he moved like a a president or something. But, you know, um, things do subside over time. People kind of, like, but, you know, um, 50 stuff, wasn't to this level. It wasn't so public. It wasn't um, something that, uh, well, I don't know if it was something that sent dudes to prison. It might have been. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't see him moving like that anymore, you know. Um, so I suppose that when someone's life is in danger like that, to that level, you can live it down, but we'll see. You know? Yeah. I mean, for all, he can absolutely make songs and upload them. I mean, he has, he's still under contract, and I believe got a contract renegotiation that paid him handsomely so he does have money for security and one can only imagine well how does that work though i mean you build you build an image an entire like uh persona on being a tough guy and you know fearless and like you know a killer and robbing people and stuff like that like what what is your image what is your sound like after you know you've turned people in and um, become a yeah. witness and all that stuff. Like I don't even get what the story is. What's the narrative? Yeah. And I mean, you know, you look at it, there's been cases of like complete one eighties in music before you look at no malice from the clips who kind of, you know, went from talking about drugs and stuff, you know, in the past to becoming a Christian rapper for all intents and purposes. I don't think Takashi will make a one eighty. I think he leans into it. I think sort of, um, you know, he's not quite Drake's level, but he is a really good uh, troll. So he's going to find a way to like make a song almost like R. Kelly did for years of that, that pokes at this and still finds a way to go viral. And I think the only way it works is if it's good. Um, Otherwise it just becomes a gossip moment and move on. But um, this is not the last. When you you say he leans into it, um, do you mean like like what Rick Ross did? You know, so Ross, like, you know, obviously had the reputation as being a corrections officer, uh, but he never, and he, he never still hasn't really admitted it. I mean, I don't think he full out denies it anymore, but um, he never, ever, like, backed away from being, right. like, the kingpin. No, uh, what like I'm... He just went triple hard on it, so... What I'm saying is this, so I don't know if you saw the clip this week of O.J. Simpson on the golf course, and he was talking about the show that we discussed last week, Tiger King. And there's this whole point in the show of a woman killing her spouse. And OJ decided unprovoked to opine on that in a way where very clearly there's people in this world that, you know, believe OJ did it. Yeah. OJ knew what he was doing by talking about that. Like, and he did it with a laugh and a smile and sunglasses on. And that's what I mean. I think Takashi could make a song called like, you know, I told or told you so, or, you know what I mean? Like he will not run from it, but lean into it. He'll make it part of his marketing strategy. Yeah. We might be saying the same thing. I mean, I'm not saying he's not, he's going to run from being a witness. I'm saying he might try and spin it like him being a witness made him tougher in some way, you know, like, Uh, Oh yeah. um, uh, Like, you know, you know, Almost like, you know, saying like, yeah, you know, I snitched, but like, uh, you know, uh, I did it for this reason. And, you know, um, and yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. He's, a, he's an interesting cat, uh, but we'll see. So, uh, you know, it's also his shelf life. Yeah. Most artists only have a shelf life of a couple of years anyway. And so his shelf life could have been over no matter what. And maybe this extended or maybe it's just going to run its natural course. Yeah. And I mean, the amount of money invested in him and the people who did it. I believe that he has enough machine around him that if the music appeases the fan base, his shelf life 
is not quite so short. You know what I mean? And, and plus everyone in his peripheral from trippy red, you know, on over is going to have something to say. So this benefits a whole class of artists. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you mentioned people behind him. So you know, a lot of people don't uh, realize that Elliot Grange, you know, son of Lucian Grange, Universal Music Group's head, is behind not only um, Takashi, but but 6 ix 9 uh, yeah. I mean, sorry, uh, uh, but Trippy Red. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that, given their history um, and, and given how secret that, that uh, that's kind of been? Yeah, I mean, success. they really push that to the back. I think it's, it's no different. It's just, in the words of most deaf mathematics, um, you know, for years, artists on Interscope were beefing with each other, you know, well beyond Game and 50. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it benefits the label to have uh, a dog and pony show. That being said, um, much like Game and 50, I think Takashi and 6 9 really did have a disagreement. Um, yeah, you did the same thing I did. Takashi and Trippy. Trippy Red, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and Trippy Red. Yeah, I mean, I, I think from, and I learned that from the podcast that I just mentioned, you know, that was real stuff, but in the middle of it all is an executive, you know, kind of fanning the flames. Um, yeah. It's odd. It's odd. So I know how important to you uh, haircuts are. Um, do, you have a, do you have a contingency plan no, for quarantine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... So my plan is to let it grow uh, until I see my barber again in New York. And okay. I'm assuming that could be another two, maybe three months max. Uh, so yeah. I'm not going to be at Jay-Z level at that point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it'll certainly yeah. be longer than I've had it in, in many, many years. And we'll see, you know, just have fun with it. Why not, man? Everything is different now. Uh, if it goes much beyond that, I do have clippers and I can take it down to like a super low Caesar. So, yeah. So we'll see. How about you? I haven't quite figured out the plan yet. Um, my, uh, unfortunately, um, my hair grows faster in the back than it does on the top. So have a I am, I am, <laughs> I am marching my way towards being a red state. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to, I got to figure out a plan. I asked my girlfriend this week if she felt comfortable, uh, you know, uh, not, not a haircut, but just like a trim. And she said, no. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, maybe I'll have to do it myself. I have never cut my own hair fully. Never. No. You have like a friend or anything you trust to do it or. Ah, man, I don't know. Uh, Let me ask you. I mean, you know, my closest, uh, friends in the city, uh, most of the, a lot of them are, are black. Would you let a white guy cut your hair? Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Am nah, I wrong nah. if I'm not sure I, mean, I want to let a I black mean, guy cut my hair? I've had it happen twice <laughs> in my life, right? Yeah. Like, uh, but like, uh, like a, just a friend? Nah. Yeah. Nah, okay. Never, nah, you, there's, you're not getting any clippers <sighs> near my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see as this podcast progresses, but I'm going to start to look like a relief pitcher. You know, <laughs> that's funny. Oh. Uh, yeah, so like water for chocolate turned twenty years old. Mm. First of all, that's that's crazy to me that that album, which feels so contemporary to me still, is twenty years old. But uh, that album, man, came out at a time when I was running my uh, the precursor to Ambrose for Heads. You know, I started a company called NewRules.com back in nineteen ninety nine, and it was, its mission was very much like uh, AFHs. And um, this came out right kind of in the thick of things and just destroyed me, man. Like, um, it was a, kind of like that peak Soul Quarians time. And I really loved that sound between Erica and D'Angelo and the roots and hearing like, you know, uh, just, uh, the opening, uh, time traveling, just love that song. Doing it is one of my favorite, um, common joints of all time. One of my favorite Dylan joints too. Like yeah. I, I thought they killed that. Uh, you know, the fact that they had Thelonious on both, you know, um, Fantastic, um, um, you know, Sun Village, and then also uh, on Common's album was was pretty cool because that was rare. You know, you didn't typically hear a song on two different albums. Especially... Even the skits, even the skits you know, like his, his grandmother yeah. and all that stuff. It was just a dope album. That's a really good point about Thelonious being on both albums because you see that other places, um, you look at like Regulate, you know, which is on Warren's album and Above the Rim. And 
uh, or even Jay-Z, um, Jermaine Dupree, money ain't a thing. Um, and as much as Jay-Z and, and arguably Jermaine are artists, um, Fantastic too, and like Water for Chocolate are albums. Like there was an all killer, no filler, very artistic. So to have a song that fits on both, which I believe it does, is really remarkable. Yeah. And then you had the Primo joint. I mean, like- it, Oh, the Sixth Sense. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of, and um, you know, I, I might've actually, as a lawyer, worked on it might've been my, one of my last- uh, producer agreements I did for Premiere, but um, yeah, man, that, that album just had joints, and you know the light. I mean, like the yeah, obviously, it was it was. Would you call it a classic? Right on the fringe there. Um, you know, I I love the album. It's might be my favorite Soul Quarians hip hop album. Um, and with one precursor, I, I don't I don't include. Um, just personally, I don't include black on both sides in that. Um, yeah, that could be argued, but if we're not saying that, this is I, I prefer like water, like water for chocolate to things fall apart, and I do prefer it to fantastic. Um, it's just a tremendous album, and truly, the sixth sense is in the running for one of my favorite rap songs of all times. So, um, what defines a classic for you and and what if, if this one doesn't get there what what was lacking there's a few songs on the album um that i still skip over hmm. and you know you and i were talking about classic as it pertains to all eyes on me recently and we said it's a flawed classic i would not use the word flawed um like on like water for chocolate but there's still moments that that album I skip over and that might just be personal taste. The other thing is, and it's Lord knows there's artists that have multiple classic albums, but my favorite common album, the one that I always go back to is uh, one day it will all make sense. The one right before this. And, and to me, that's commons like most cohesive, perfect album. Um, so as a result, like water for chocolate lives a little bit in its shadow, even though six Sense is my favorite common song hands now. And uh that's interesting yeah. because um, one day it all makes sense. It's probably my least favorite common album. That doesn't oh, surprise wow. me. Like we're probably both big common fans, but like we go yeah. approach it from different sides of the spectrum. Um, you know, for for me, I think like water for chocolate would. Yeah, so I, I hear you on the the uh, not having skippable songs is is part of the criteria for a classic. That's a big one for me. Uh, which is why I don't think that Eminem has any classic albums. Um, hmm. But but I don't know. The, the joints that are on Like Water for Chocolate that are good are so great to me that they outweigh uh, any tracks that, that I might not feel as much. And while there are certain tracks that I would skip pretty regularly on Like Water for Chocolate, I don't think there's any song that I would say it's just flat out whack. True. So, um so, you know, it, it kind of outweighs it for me, and I, I probably would put it in that classic status. That being said, like, I don't think it's his most cohesive album. And, you know, ironically, for me, his most co- cohesive album, you know, um, I wouldn't say is better than Like Water for Chocolate, even though it's more cohesive, and that's B. Yeah. B, which is a shorter album, too. It's a shorter album. It's tighter. And I think that's, a, a th- for me, that's a common theme in a lot of classics, and yeah. I don't think it's... A coincidence i think that you know shorter does mean the person took the time to kind of cull it and like you know just leave no filler you know drake says that about um um uh what's the album with pound cake on it um uh you know the clouds uh yeah 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 uh um uh, damn we were just talking about it yeah yeah um but that album um you know, I, I think that that is his probably best album. Yeah. Um, you know, and B is B is only like uh, 45 minutes or something like that, right? It's yeah, I think it's even less than 40. It's like Illmatic. It's a really short album. Um, you know, I, I thought of this last summer um, when, you know, all the lists were trending. And Common is absolutely not on my top 25, but on my top 10. Hmm. And I think... Um, common is robbed uh all the time i think and and i don't know for sure why but i um common is an incredible artist and if you were to play for somebody what makes common great this might this yeah this would be the album um b 
because one day it all makes sense is when I personally really bonded with common. And I think you always hold on to those nostalgic points. And I agree with you. I think B is a really tight, phenomenal album. And it was comeback album. Isn't fair, but it was, it was common in a new sound with Kanye, who was just white hot at the time. Um, but yeah, one day is great. And I listen to it, you know, apart from Erica, it's the, it's the soul Aquarian stuff that I listen to the most, you know, that and uh, the roots come alive. Yeah, and Common and and Dilla just have something magic, man. They they have something magic. They really did. They really did. And um, yeah, they, uh, you know, I I interviewed Common a few times over the years, but the first time I spoke to him, if I'm not mistaken, it was when he was in LA living with Dilla. And no one knew that Dilla was sick at the time. And this was a phone interview um, in late 2005. And I remember Common called me from LA and all of that. And we talked about Dilla and, you know, three months later, two months later, Dilla passed and they were roommates at the end of Dilla's life. And yeah. uh, they had a really special bond. Yeah. It's really crazy. And speaking of, of passing away, rest in peace, Bill Withers. You know, and they, I know that <laughs> hit a lot of people hard. You know, um, did you have, were you a big fan? Did you have favorite songs of his? Yeah, I'm a huge Bill Withers fan. Um, you know, I I think like a lot of people, I grew up with him and I grew up with him being 36, you know, on the radio and my mom had tapes, but I, um, in my early twenties, a friend of mine who actually wrote for Ambrosia, um, my friend Luke gave me Just As I Am, Bill's, you know, first solo album. And that is still one of my favorite albums. Bill Withers up until this week was probably my favorite living voice. Um, just like voice. Like if you could have any voice on, on record, um, yeah, I mean, I love, you know, there's so many I love, uh, especially in the soul and R&B genre, but Bill Withers' voice. So I've been telling people throughout the week, play his live album. It came out in 72. Um, Bill stopped touring as much. He became a family man. And uh, just the command that he has over the audience since live at Carnegie Hall is insane. And several times since... Uh, whatever it was Thursday, I've played the album and just gotten chills. I've been really, really moved. You said 1972. Yeah, it came out in 73, but it's where he plays. Um, I can't write left-handed, which is the roots and John legend covered on the wake up album, which won a Grammy. And that song is such a good protest record. And, and protest might not even be the right word, but he says it in the concert. They like come in and he says, the Vietnam war is now over when the album's coming out but he plays, he plays this song and that song in particular just makes, you know, every hair on my arm stand up. And then he ends the album playing Harlem, which is another one of my favorite Bill Withers songs. And he cuts into cold baloney, which the eyes he wrote, the Isley brothers covered, but he does this interplay with the crowd. And if you listen in that single, like 13 minute song, you'll hear uh, so many samples. Like, I realized that producers sampled Bill Withers' interplay with the crowd. And that doesn't surprise me either. You think about it like, um, no diggity, you know, grandma's hands is literally like Bill, you know, kind of like moaning and and strumming the guitar and using the guitar as percussion. Like he was just so musical all over. Yeah. Yeah. Really, you know, really, really tough. Um, He touched a lot of people though. Um, You know, me is certainly a son that, um, you know, has helped a lot of people during like times of crisis. It's odd, you know, just even like just how bizarre all the world has become. Like, you know, lean on me. Um, just the notion of that being a supportive song now, right? You yeah, know, we're not supposed to touch each other. It's just it's it's weird, you know. Um, yeah, wild times. But yes, you're a, uh, you were a big fan, right? You know, I am. Um, you know, um, he is kind of like. Stevie Wonder for me, where I'm a dis, like a deceptive fan, you know, like um, I don't actively go out and seek, you know, Stevie Wonder music or Bill Withers music, but when I sit down and listen to all the songs, you know, in a compilation, I'm like, whoa, like I really like Bill Withers. You know, he's not like yeah. a James Brown or a Prince or someone like that where I proactively like, you know, have it in heavy rotation. But when it's put in front of me and presented as a body of work, I, I realize just how much I do, I did, you know, like and respect his work. Absolutely. I encourage you to play a live album. He did an, he did an interview that I've been suggesting to people, too, at the end of his life. Um, well, I mean, a few years ago with a podcast called Death, Sex, and Money that I really like out of WNYC. 
and Bill Withers talks about what it means to be a man. Yeah. And um, whoa, it's like a 30 minute interview. And Bill Withers has so much of that, like, I call it like grandparent wisdom. Um, and he was from, you know, Beckley, West Virginia, which isn't terribly far from where I grew up in Pittsburgh. Um, and I just Bill Withers was, you know, he epitomizes cool to me and, and that just seasoned wisdom. I know that's redundant. But. Yeah. You know, so uh, I want to end on um, Public Enemy, you know, because uh, they had a lot of things. You know, it's funny when we released um, our news that we were going to stop working on the site. Um, a lot of people drew parallels to that and Public Enemy. And because I think we, we announced that on the same day that Chuck uh, said Certainly that, within 24 hours. Yeah, yeah that Flavor Flav was, was fired from the group after Flav issued a cease and desist letter um, against Bernie Sanders um, using public enemy's music in his rallies or in a rally in LA. Um, so now the news is uh, on April 1st, Chuck D said that it all had been an April fool's joke uh, extended from March and uh, that, you know, he couldn't fire Flav because Flav was a partner um, and they released new music on the same day. So, what do you think of, of all of it? you think that it was a hoax? You, if, if so, do you think it was super corny to do it that way? Uh, if not, do you think, why do you think that they would try and mask it as a hoax? Like, what, what's your thought on it? I don't believe the April Fool's Day narrative. Don't believe um, the hype. This is the, I don't believe the hype. Um, this is the equivalent to me of the, my Twitter was hacked, which we saw a lot a decade ago. Uh, Gucci man, it happened to him when he and Waka Flocka were beefing. He was like, oh, my Twitter was hacked. Um, I remember when Mob Deep, uh, when Prodigy and Havoc went at it around 2011 or 2012, they used that same thing. We've just seen it. You know, you've seen it time and time again. I'm not buying it. And I think that it's common for groups to have ugly public disputes with the technology we have. We've also seen it with like Naughty by Nature. We saw it with the Dog Pound on and on and on. Um, I have the utmost respect for Public Enemy. Um, when I talk about favorite voices, Chuck D is one of my favorite rap voices of all time and still uses it and projects it. But I don't think, I just, I'm not buying it. I'm not. I yeah, think that. I yeah, agree with you too, but but I don't, but but that's the thing that I have a hard time understanding, right? There, You said it, like there are tons of groups that have had very, very public, disputes and this yes. isn't even their first test up i mean they've had uh over the years you know yeah. with flavor substance abuse and like you know professor griffin like yep. there's been all sorts of controversy within the group um, mm -hmm. i mean you see like epmb they, they they've had you know their, their differences sure. uh you know um mob deep like there there have been a ton of people who've had these kind of uh tripod quest i mean it just goes on and on and on if you're a group and you have 10 plus years of history it comes with the territory. So I don't understand why they would try and cover it up if that were the case. Yeah. I mean, Chuck's, Chuck's reasoning, I mean, to paraphrase was that, you know, he's been putting P he's been putting out albums. People haven't been caring. This incident in March got more attention than any music that they've done recently. So it was his way of kind of like jerking the chain back on the media and the fans. And, um, I, I agree on the sentiment. Um, you know, Public Enemy put out an album a few years ago. It did really well on Ambrosia for Heads. Um, you know, uh, what was it called? Nothing uh, to do in the desert except die. Like it had a, it was cool. I played it a lot. And then it came, it went off of the streaming platforms. I want to see these groups get their due, but this isn't the way to go about it. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just disappointed. You know, I totally expected that they would get back together but honestly, just get back together like you have in the past. Release a new song. Let everybody know the group's reunited. Um, I don't know. I'm just not drinking. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I mean, maybe in an the April Fool's joke was the announcement. <laughs> you know, like that yeah. was the April Fool's joke. It, that that it was uh, it was fake. You know, it was it really was fake. It was yeah, fake. and I can shoot Chuck at least some bail on this. I mean, he announced when Rage Against the Machine agreed to do Coachella, um, Chuck D immediately released a statement that um, Prophets of Rage was on hiatus. 
So he wants to put out music. So you go back to PE. And if you look at that timeline right after that statement was the Bernie Sanders rally and all of that stuff. But um, yeah, I, and on everything else, I listened to the song that they put out this week and I just wasn't feeling it. Um, but yeah, you know, that's yeah. just me. Yeah. Um, D nice still going strong. I watched last night. It's like 60, 70,000 people. 1.8 million. Um, you know, there's tons of great stuff. Erica Badu is doing a, a second concert. Um, actually, it'll be done uh, by the time this airs. Um, Teddy Riley and LA and Babyface are going to have a beat battle. They uh, rescheduled that, though. They rescheduled yeah. that. But yeah, it's going to come. Um, Toby and Rivoy is doing live sessions. Like, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a great time to be a music fan right now amidst all this craziness. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if this does go on two, three, four months, um, I hope that when people push live on whatever social they're using, have something dope. Um, I've gotten to the point over the last few weeks of, you know, because you get, I don't know about you, but I get the notification at the top of my screen. So I've done it by accident. I've clicked in. And when you just see somebody that you look up to sitting on their couch smoking a joint, <laughs> I, um, I'm not feeling that when there is so much like D-Nice did an amazing Bill Withers tribute as did Questlove on um, the night that he passed. Yeah, I mean, treat it, treat it like you would in anything else. Earn that spot, use your airtime wisely, and I'm going to keep tuning in. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. Well, what's the uh, next time? Let's say, well, let's well, wait, say. real quick. Let me let me end you here. What's yeah. your uh, what's your song of the week, man? Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's probably you know, I, I'd say uh, YNSP by Vic Mensa. Um, you know, Internet Tape was a an album that just destroyed me when it first came out. You know, mm-hmm. I remember I texted his manager. That's the first time I heard, heard Orange Soda. And I said, you know, um, we got to get in business. I want to get on the bandwagon before it gets too crowded. You know, but I just think that Vic is brilliant. Um, you know, he and I developed a, a real kinship over the years. He played down on my luck for me in my office. Wow. When I was at BET 18 months before I dropped, you know. Oh, wow. Um, and um, he was one of the first people I interviewed back in the day for AFH. Uh, I put him on music in our campaign Music Matters, um, saw some of his early shows. I just missed him and kids these days. So I'm a massive, massive Vic Mensa fan. And um, that album, I've been banging pretty heavily. And YNSP, I had not heard in a while. And it just like hit me. It was great. So yeah. how about you? I, uh, I got to see kids these days at a Roots picnic right before the group ended. And um mm-hmm great energy it was in the middle of the rain they were playing in a tent um so the 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 phrase that i keep having over in my head through the week is we just trying to stay alive the y clef song but in all actuality that's not a record i've played um evidence released a new song this week called the unlearning mm-hmm. which is his first uh vocal song solo song uh since whether or not and I just keep playing it. It's just very stream of consciousness. We talk about Drake with quarantine. This feels a little bit like quarantine music. Like I'm just going to turn this mic on and vent. Um, totally different sound. He even says like, this is different than the series of albums I've been doing since 2007. But yeah, that was, um, that was probably the song I played most this week. And I really, apart from Bill Withers, and I really, it just gets me in my headspace right now. Yeah, man, I really, I really love that evidence track too. I'm just a, a massive fan of his. You know, yeah. um, he's another one where, like, um, when I start to think of like who are my favorite artists, he wouldn't come immediately to mind. But once I start put him in consideration, it's clear to me that he's one of my favorite rappers um, of the last decade for sure. Yeah, and you, you and I made a point, you know, about Royce, like artists that have gotten better with time, and, and uh, Evidence most definitely has. And I love Dilated Peoples. I bought the platform the week it came out, but Evidence on his own is making the best music of his career, and um, he's somebody who I just trust. The unlearning was not like my typical beat choice. It's not a tight, you know, chorus or anything like that, but it just, it hit me where I'm at. And I am so excited of more evidence music to come. Yeah. You know, it feels like evidence for sure. Like it doesn't, you wouldn't say, huh, I'm surprised, but it's different. It's different than um, stuff he's releasing in a while. Mm -hmm. Who do you, you know, do you know who produced it? 
Yeah, a guy out of Virginia named Gray Matter, and he shouts him out on the track. And um, I made sure that we followed Gray Matter on AFH because whenever, like, Ev was early on Matt Kami, he was early on Crime Apple. Ev low-key is, like, one of those guys that puts artists on his albums and on his projects, like, two or three years before everyone else catches up. Yeah, and you said this is not going to be part of the Weather series. That, that trilogy is over. Yeah, Ev had been saying that he, um, and then he says it in in like the verse too, almost like Jay with the "You like my, you want my old shit, buy my old albums," mm-hmm. but in a in a more like yo, I'm stepping beyond that. And yo, that series lasted eleven years from 2007 to 2018. Um, yo, I'm ready to see where Ev's gonna go now because if it's any indication of this song or the last album, he's just in an incredible space. Yeah, for sure. Word. All right, my man. So, uh, you know, I think uh, soon we should start inviting some other people to the conversation, to the party. Uh, you know, uh, speaking of party, one last thing. So I'm seeing that a lot of things are going viral in conjunction with the virus. So, you know, Jackbox, uh, Tiger King, now the app House Party. I'm not sure if you're on that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's uh you know it's interesting. What do you what do you make of that? A D nice, you know, one could argue that yeah. like that's a viral sensation. Why, why do you think there's all this stuff that's ha- that's going viral to coincide with the, the virus? I think everyone's figuring out their new normal, and you know we are all uh, creatures of habit and succumb to peer pressure. So yeah, I mean different things are rising to the top, and over the last couple of weeks, you and I have talked about it with uh, Derek with D nice. I um. Yeah, it's it's cool to see. And uh, I am new to Jackbox. I played right before the quarantine started, but I thought that was just a great game. If anyone – I've been I've been uh, going heavy on words with friends on my phone. If anybody wants that smoke, you know, uh, <laughs> leave, your name in, leave your name in the comments section. Okay, all right, all right. I didn't know that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I'm about to get you on some words yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, we're all, we're all going crazy. Yeah. We're, all right, man. I'll take it. That's awesome. Later.